All right. Uh, this is Brad Tate, uh, as you know me from Country 104.7 KKRV, but uh, the nitpicking weenie that is our corporate office has been uh, demanding that we do some podcasts. They've been wanting this for a while now, and you know we've tossed around the idea, uh, and I just decided to go for it, and I actually brought on a good friend of mine, a family member, and uh, just all-around great guy, Brian, who, uh, you know, we have a lot in common. Yep. We're good friends. We hang out all the time, text all the time. And so I thought, you know, who better to do this podcast with than you? Yeah, man. Good chemistry. So. Yeah. And well, and you and you kind of want to do this stuff. This yep. isn't what you normally do. So and, and it's a creative outlet for you and me. Yeah, it's completely different than my day job. So, so moonlighting as, as a <laughs> podcast host. So, yeah, so we got into this. We've been uh, we've been talking about what we're going to do on this podcast and, you know, how we're going to do it, what we want it to be. And we started reaching out to some people. Uh, we're both fans of MMA, UFC, yep. Bellator, all those uh, big fight promotions. Sports, music, Sports anything, comedy. music. Yep. And that's what this podcast is going to be, just whatever is interesting to us. I mean, it's our first guest is a UFC person, but that's not what this is going to be all the time. Yep. So we're just looking for something interesting to talk about, and uh, we have a few guests lined up, like I like I've said, and you know, if it's interesting to us, hopefully it's interesting to you. And yeah, I mean, I I would hope that we uh, kind of bring a different perspective to some people in their personalities as they're known as. Yeah. You know, in their profession, a different they're, look at people. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just the I, that's kind of what you know, I think that we're shooting for in, in this platform, but yeah, excited. And I think this first guest is, is kind of that. Yeah. Like a, yeah. a lot of people know her, but don't know her. So uh, it's Swayze Valentine. For those that don't know, she is the first ever UFC cut woman. Yeah. So Queen of Cuts. Queen of Cuts is as she's known. And so, I mean, you've probably seen her on UFC or bellator or whatever fight promotion it may be but mainly the ufc uh when the fighters come down they get vaseline rubbed on their face she's the person that does that yeah and wraps hands backstage wraps hands you don't always see yeah you know it's just little things but she has a very interesting story not only is she the first you know woman to ever do this she's a pioneer uh but she's from alaska lives in the tri-cities now has driven up here to do this podcast and you know just there's a lot more to what a cut woman or cut man does, and we learned that today. Yeah. Works a full-time job. Yeah. Raising a family. Has two kids that came with her. Amazing kids. Yeah, they kids. they sat yeah. out there for an hour. Yeah. We didn't even hear a peep from them. Yeah. Amazing kids. Uh, and she just has an incredible story uh, from Alaska, has, lives in the Tri-Cities now, like I said, and works full-time at a post office yeah. and then travels. She says she leaves on a Friday after she gets off her day job to go work at a major UFC event in wherever it may be and then returns sometimes Saturday night on a red eye or early Sunday morning so she can get back to go to work on on a Monday. Yeah, crazy. It's just an insane travel schedule she has and really an insane life. So uh, hopefully you learn more about Swayze and and enjoy this podcast. Uh, Here you go. It's the Casual Podcast with Brad and Brian. What is the Casual Podcast? It's just a couple of casual dudes talking about interesting things with interesting people. Here's the next episode. All right, there we are, up and rolling on the first podcast, uh, the casual, seriously casual working title uh, podcast that we're doing here. It's uh, Brian Brocky, Brad Tate, and uh, we have a very special guest as our first guest. 
I can't believe we got her. Yeah, me either. I mean, I'm blown away. And I can't believe she drove two and a half hours to be here. Like, that's so amazing for you to do. I, yeah. I can't thank you enough for doing that. Of course, I'm talking about Swayze Valentine, the first and only woman, uh, cut woman for the UFC. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Like, stoked to be here. How yeah. was the drive? You know, the drive was great. It was nice and smooth. It didn't run in any bad weather, so that was good. Because I'm thinking, oh, gosh, are we going to run into snow? Because it seems like it's been snowing everywhere, like Spokane, mm. the mountains. And since I've never been out this way, I'm like, I just hope we don't run into snow. But it's, it's been good. There's just was a little bit of rain, and it was a nice drive. It yeah. gets foggy down there. Like, from what I've seen, the fog gets really bad between, like, the Tri-Cities and how about yeah. Hanford? And Hanford. Stuff, yeah. 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 No, we didn't run in any fog. Like it was, it was perfect. It was perfect. Nice. Yeah. Well, again, we appreciate you coming up here. First ever cut woman for the UFC. First ever. How did you get in to being a cut woman for the UFC? So it's a super long story, but to condense it, um, I saw my first live show in Alaska back where I grew up and I loved the atmosphere and I'm not sure if anyone had the experience to visit or you know see a show live I mean it's a crazy experience the the atmosphere is just intense and addicting and I knew that I wanted to be a part of that industry somehow but I didn't know what I wanted to do because I'm definitely not a fighter so I knew that was off the table and so I waited till the show was over and I went and I talked to the promoter and I told him that I really wanted to be a part of his show. And he said that, you know, that I could be a ring girl. He had like this, this weekend, um, tournament thing going on. So that definitely was not what I was looking to get into, but back then it was way back in 2006. So I was like, you know what, I'll do it. At least I'll get my foot in the door. I can check it out, see what other things might be available. And when I was back there, um, to do the show, I saw people, which I didn't know that they were coaches at the time because I didn't know much about the sport. Um, they were wrapping the fighters hands and I'm like, you know what? That is the greatest honor for me being a fan of the sport in general. There's no greater honor than actually wrapping the hands of the opponent and, you know, the competitor themselves. So, um, I would just went back home and I just started practicing wrapping hands on myself. I'd go like on YouTube and find hand wrapping videos, um, particularly from stitch. Cause he was the only other well-known one around and I would just practice and practice and go to gyms and just like start working with camps so I can get to know the fighters and, and gain their trust because again there's not any women that do it so a lot of the times when I would go into a gym they look at me like what what the hell are you doing here I mean what what are you doing so um yeah there's so many times I just post up like my chair and in, in so many gyms and just sit there and wait to like wrap hands for sparring and and things like that and um I just kept going and I kept progressing I then traveled to Las Vegas because that's like the fight capital of the world. I'm like, that's where I got to go to really get to know people. And I would go to Randy Couture's gym. I drive eight hours one way just to sit at Randy Couture's gym for the weekend wow. to like just wrap the pros um, during their sparring sessions. And then so I got I started meeting people, started working the local event, amateur events with Muay Thai and boxing and MMA and um, just my name just started going down the grapevine and um, then eventually got with uh, – you know, I did like um, WSOF was my first pro event. Then I got with Invicta, which is the all women's mm-hmm. um, promotion, which is great. And then I did uh, UFC back uh, 2014. February 22nd, 2014 was oh, my wow. first. A uh, date you're never going to forget. I'll never yeah. forget it. I'll never forget that day. Oh, it was amazing. But sorry, that was kind of a long, drawn out story. But um, yeah, that's how I started. And that's how I got where, where I am today. So yeah. no like. Uh, paramedic background no like schooling for this you just all self-taught online 
pretty much. I mean, I started teaching myself online and then I would go to the gyms and start practicing on actual live people other than myself or my children. And um, I did have an EMT background a little bit, but I wasn't, but that's not actually even necessary to be a cut man or a cut woman. Um, and it's actually kind of kind of scary because us as cut women or cut men, we use epinephrine, for example, and that's a very powerful drug. And, and you do need to carry a license and get a prescription from an actual licensed doctor to carry it. But to become a cut man or cut woman um, within your state, you just need to pay like usually a $25 fee, you fill out an application and boom, you're a certified cut man or cut woman. So um, I wish there was actually more training and more schooling to do what we do because, I mean, we deal with a very dangerous, potentially dangerous well, drug, yeah, you know, absolutely. epinephrine. If you don't use it correctly, I mean, you're, you're dealing with people's lives. And, um, I mean, it, it does affect the body differently when it's used outside versus inside the body, you know. So, I mean, there are those differences, but um, there's absolutely no, you know, certain training. I mean, a friend of mine actually now has a cut man school and it's called Fight Business Academy, and it's pretty it's pretty dope. I mean, I didn't have anything. I didn't have anyone to right, help me yeah. when I started, you know? I mean, and it's so, this industry is so tight-lipped, like like boxing. It's so traditional and so tight-lipped. It's like to get any information from anyone, you got to, it's, it's just crazy. They're just not going to let their secrets go. Yeah. So to actually have a school now, you know, that you can go and pay and do a whole full course and lifetime coaching, I mean, it's awesome. So now there is a school um, that does it in a few different countries are kind of doing the same thing, but you don't need a, a, a medical background. You don't have to be a nurse or, you know, wound care assistant or anything. No, none of that. So like no, like really formal testing. You just, you fill out the application, you get approved and then you're licensed to go practice. Exactly. It is scary that it's that easy to do wow. that. Yep. It's I, that easy. So do you have to do that for each state that you work? Like, uh, pro athletes that have to pay taxes in each state do you have to be certified in or is it just a washington state and you can work anywhere nope any state in any country that you work in you do have to obtain a license to be backstage um and work with the fighters themselves um you know the 99.9 percent .9 of the promotions that i work with are all um commissioned and so they have their rules you have to fill out your application you have to pay your fee um, I mean, the, even the, the coaches, you know, like the cornermen, mm -hmm. they pay a fee. The fighters pay a fee. You know, you all have to get in paper and, and pay a fee to, to do that. But um, they will quickly, a promotion will quickly find out whether or not you know what you're doing or not, or if you just paid the fee and filled out the application. <laughs> right. so, so even though it's that easy to obtain a license, to work in that state, I mean, you still got to know what you're doing. So like a uh, biggest inspiration or, or mentor that you have within the business, I mean, who, who, do, who have you reached out to to, like, learn this? I mean, I know you said that YouTube, but, you know, YouTube's only going to show you so much. Um, so any particular individuals that, that you kind of want to um, acknowledge for kind of helping you along the way? Yeah, you know, I've actually had a decent amount of help along the way. Um, of course, I had to build relationships with these people, let them know that they could trust me before they share their secrets yeah. and things. Um, but Adrian, he was starting out. He was my mentor. I mean, he used to be a UFC cut man himself. And um, he taught me a lot, a lot of what I know. Be, um, being the first female in the UFC, for example, I was under so much pressure and so much scrutiny that I had to go in knowing 110% of, you know, what I needed to do. I mean, I would I would fly to Vegas. I'd do like a 10-day training sessions um, from like morning to night. And he'd sit there. He'd even tell me like where to stand, you know, how to grease, like where to start. I mean, so he was a super integral part in, in my success in becoming um, the first cut woman in the UFC. 
but then you know I also was friends with a few of the other you know UFC coming like Rob Monroe and and Rudy Hernandez and, and Don House. I mean, they helped me a lot as well, which was really nice. And to already have those relationships outside of the UFC with them, like when I would work in Victa, you know, they would give me information if I was struggling with something or just wanted to know how I could do something better. They were also people that I can lean on. So, um, and still to this day, they're people I can lean on. So I really appreciate them and, and uh, their help and their, their, them behind me has been super great. So was that your initial reach out to them? Was that I mean well received, or were, I mean did you have to like bug the living heck out of them in order to, in order for them to kind of you know gain that trust? I mean was um, I'd say with a few of the guys it was a little bit of a struggle, and um, one of the guy you know Rob Monroe he's super easygoing, he's out there, he's willing to help everyone. Um, House has been super helpful, um, you know as well as like Rudy and things like that. But um, again, Rudy is a huge boxing guy, so he's still kind of one of those you got to prove yourself to him before he's willing to, you know, go out on a limb for you. And um, I'm super, you know, grateful to have his support. And um, even in UFC, like, if I have any questions, I can ask him, and he'll be right there to help me along. So nice. still so kind of an old-school mentality a lot of those guys have, right? I mean, it's oh, yeah. oh, a, yeah. a boys' club. So, I mean, it's well-documented that you had to fight your way to get to where you are. How hard was that? Was there, like, times where you are just like, screw it, this isn't for me, I can't do this anymore? You know what? I hate to say, but I think we all have our struggles, and there's been many, many of times that I have wanted to throw in the towel and quit, um, even as recent as two events ago. You wow. know, I mean, well. it's it's rough in there, man. I mean, it's not it's not like the UFC. UFC is amazing. They're a well-oiled machine. They take great care of me. They support me. They protect me. It's wonderful. But um, sometimes when you're working with a bunch of guys, your your team. I don't know. It's kind of it's cutthroat in there. You know what I mean? It's it's so rough. It's everybody's money. Everybody's in there. It's their money. It's their paycheck. They want the show. I want the show. We all want the show. So, um, yeah, man, there's there's been several times I've wanted to just quit and it's rough. I mean, I've been pulled in the back. I've been threatened. I've been told that I'm that they're going to break me, that I still need to earn my spot. And it's like, you know what? No, I've been I've done I've, this long enough. I've been doing this since 2006. Like I I know what I'm doing and if we're for example, if we're in the UFC, like we are all the best in the world. There's only about 10 of us in the US. And it's like we're the best in the world. Like let's just stick together. Let's just, you know, let's just be this great team and it's so I mean, yeah, there's there's struggles. There's still some fighters that I can't I can't rap even or even work cage side for because of religious reasons, you know, which is understandable. Yeah. But there's still, even though I've made a place for myself in there, there's still, you know, a few situations that I can't even work, sure. you know, and, and that that sucks, you know, but I understand that. And, and, you know, it is what it is. And I just keep moving on. But, yeah, there's still some people that don't want me to wrap their hands or. You know, I mean, y you get that, and, and right. I always will, and that's okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not going anywhere. You know, people can say what they want, and I'm still just going to show up. So, so I mean, I don't want this to come off as the wrong, the wrong way, I guess. So the people that are telling you no, do you see that a lot from, like, people from other countries because of, you said, like, religion stuff or just that's how they were raised that women can do that? Or, or is it, you know, a little mix of both, like Americans and, you know, guys from – Brazil or wherever it may be I would say it's you know I've only ran into the religion situation maybe twice okay and that's totally completely understandable sure. that's their religion we don't mess with yeah, that yeah, exactly. you know I respect that for sure um I would say any type of pushback that I get is is more from um coaches and fighters and I and I respect a coach's position as well um 
and you know a coach has been with that fighter from day one or many many years you know 17 years or so you know whatever it may be and they want to be with their fighter from beginning to end and i love that and i respect that um and that's fine when we're backstage and if you don't want me to wrap your fighter's hands that's just fine you know here's some gauze here's some tape go for it you know it's all you Mm -hmm. um the only time where that runs into an issue is if we're cage side and his or her fighter is is bleeding and i need to to do them some fighters once i've been physically assaulted like a coach literally threw me to the ground and like no like you're not going to touch my fighter and i'm like there's nothing you can do with that you just got to get up and get out of the cage and and whatever but sometimes a coach when we're cage side and and that fighter's bleeding and i'm trying to tend to them sometimes the coach would be like you know hey he's fine he's fine or she's fine and i you know i had to say a few times like hey coach just let me do my job like just trust me i'm here i don't want to take any spot of your job I don't want to coach your fighter like I just want to make sure I can get them to that next round that's all I'm there for that's all I want and I want to keep them safe so it's like one thing you got to explain to to some coaches or or camps is just like look I'm not here to take your job away from you like I just have just let me please just work and do I mean you're not like you said you're not a fighter you're not there to coach them you have a job to do and that's to make sure that they don't bleed yeah, I into mean, the next yeah, round or real. have the fight stop because of a cut. I mean, if you can, you only get what, like 40 seconds, right? For that to, for that to happen. Yeah. And, and in some places it's even shorter. I mean, because yeah, like we got 60 seconds from when the bell rings to when the new round starts. So, and we have to get all the way from cage, from where we're at on the opposite side of the cage, all the way to the front of the cage. And then a lot of the times, Sometimes the, the coaches will get in front of us, which is fine. We're all going to the same spot. Yeah. Um, but it's so I still have to wait for a few people to go in. And then sometimes the commission jumps in front of me or things like that. And it's like, boom, now I got 30 seconds to get there. I got to get to that fighter. I got to make sure they're sitting down and I got to get in good position to where I can see what's wrong, where to start and that sort of thing. So sometimes we only got 30 seconds. If we're not that first one in there, we got like 30 seconds to do our job. And, and you know what? And sometimes you're just not going to be successful. Sure. And it just, it is, it's the nature of the beast. You know, either you just do not have enough time to be, to close it successfully. You just do your best. Um, that's one thing that I love that the UFC is doing um, is us cut men and cut women. We go in every round now. Before it used to be only if there was just bleeding. We weren't even, we had to ask the camp permission to go in for swelling. We couldn't even go in and do that because the camp said no we don't go in. But if there was blood, we go. And so the UFC now implemented that we go in every single round. And I think that's so amazing. And that's so much better for that fighter because it gives them such a higher chance to get to another round, especially if they, you know, took a real beating, you know, in the first or the second, and they only got three rounds, you know, like they need every round they can get. So I just love that the UFC now implemented that we can go in every single round and we can still bring two, you know, two coaches in too, you know, so it's just really nice that and, and also super important to us because we're like 15 feet from the cage sometimes even 10 feet from the cage and we can't we don't have a monitor in front of us so we can't necessarily see if that fighter it's actually real hard to see under those bright lights yeah. if a fighter has damage even if it's really light so the fact that we can go in every single round like it's just so better for everyone and i love it oh well, yeah well and it just you know improves their chances like you said to make that next round to keep on top of their swelling and all that stuff to get them to the next round if they can. Yeah. Uh, Flashing back real quick, uh, you said that you've been refused by a lot of men. Have any women refused for you to wrap their hands? 
you know, there's been a few. Again, it's it's more coaches. of it's more of the coaches, and and I'm not dogging on the coaches. I respect their position in that. And there's been a few times where there's no one to wrap anyone, and it's like, sorry guys, like you got me. It's right. just me. I mean, I know you want so and so and so and so, but they're already booked. They're already at the cage side. Like you have no choice. And coaches can't do it. I mean, it's it it has to be from one of you guys, right? Well, no coaches can. So wow. usually before an event, um, no matter where you're working. Someone from the event staff will go to each camp and say, hey, do you have someone to wrap your hands? They'll say yes, so they mark down self on our, our list. So we know when we see self that, that the coach is going to take care of it or the fighter is going to take hmm. care of it. Um, and then we go and then they'll either special request, um, you know, and so then they'll put they'll name, you know, Swayze's doing so and so or Rob's doing so and so. Um, things like that and then they'll just be in under you know um, there won't be a self or anything like that and we know that that fighter will just take anybody you know just wants to be wrapped by anybody right. so but even those writer, those fighters who want to be wrapped by anyone so for example some at some situations I'll walk in there I don't like going in well before their time because that gives them time to change their mind once they see me um, and there's been a time where I'm just like look there's just no other what option do you mean by that though what, I mean what do you mean by that comment um, meaning, so I've learned through trial and error when I was coming up in, in the ranks, not a lot of people knew me and being the only woman, I, there wasn't a lot of trust there with the camps. So you don't go in super early. And I don't go in early and give them the chance to, to change their mind. Oh. You know, it's like, I wait till they have no choice. Mm-hmm. Like till we are down to the seconds, like you need to get wrapped now or not at all yeah. type situation. Um, because yeah, if I go in there, I used to go in, introduce myself first, you know, say, Hey, when do you want me to come back? You know, cause it's their night, you know, they're yeah. my client. I'm going to cater to them. And then I'd leave and then boom, I'd get pulled over by like a blue shirt or someone, or I'll go back in and someone already be rapping. And it's like, it's pretty disappointing. Sure. You know, I, I didn't even get a chance to earn their trust, right. you know, yeah. and that's something that I still struggle with, um, to this day. And, and again, I'll always struggle and, and don't get me wrong. I, there's a lot of camps that love and respect me and I get, you know, those requests and it's super special, but you know, there's been a time that I've just had to tell camps like look let me wrap your fighter's hands and i point at the fighter and saying if you don't like it i'll cut it off and i'll give it to one of your coaches so they can do it like just give me a chance like we're all here because we're all the best in the world in the world just give me a chance you know so So how do you reset from something like that like professionally like you go into there and somebody's like well nope i want so and so or somebody else is already doing it because you've gone in and introduced yourself i mean how do you reset from that um I try to reset real quickly because I'm not there to upset anyone and, and it's only up to me to take it personally or just to move on. Uh, it doesn't just happen to me. It happens even the the others, you know. Rob's had people say, no, they don't want Rob or they don't want House or they don't. So it happens to everyone. It's not just me. Um, but it's how to reset. I just like, you know what? I don't upset the fighter. I'm just like, all right, perfect. No problem. You're taken care of. Great. And then I walk out. I might say a few things in my head that, <laughs> that are like, man, this sucks. Like, oh my gosh, they would have just given me the chance. Like, come on, you know. Um, cause I'm still fighting for my spot, sure. you know, even though I've earned my spot, you still have to fight to stay yeah. there. And it's, it's hard. Well, it's, it's like you hard. said, people that have been doing this for years and have a well-established name have been refused. So it's not just you. Yeah. So those guys are still proving themselves as well. Right. And is it like guys that are kind of up and coming? Like, do you see that mostly the fighters that are, you know, not the John Jones level or, you know, the guys that are kind of like on the prelims or anything. Those are the guys that are a little more leery of you. You know, that's a tough question because a lot of the veteran fighters, um, they, they do know who they like. Yeah. I mean, some the other Cutman's been there for 
so many years, 10 right. plus years. So they have those relationships and one with them. But um, the other thing I would, yeah, you know, I would agree. It's probably more the up and comers are a little more on the uneasy side um, because it's their first time in the UFC. And they're There's nervous, a lot of, yeah. Right, right. There's a lot of superstition as well. It's, I mean, in almost every sport, there's yeah. superstition. Yeah. You know, so they're like, oh, but my coach would always wrap me, so I don't want anyone. And, you right. know, and and that's why even when I wrap someone's hand, like one thing that a lot of people don't realize, if for me personally, if I wrap someone's hand and that fighter's out there in that cage, and if they don't win, even though my hand wrap was not the reason they got put in a real naked choke and had to tap, like that's not my fault. Right. But me sitting there like, oh, man, I might have just lost a client because he lost in my hand wraps like Joanna superstition yeah yeah exactly like I used to be Joanna's like or Joanna's uh, good luck charm in the UFC like she says I always request you because I, I win with you like you did my hands I always request you and so that was super special and awesome. um and the one time she unfortunately when she ended up losing thank god I wasn't the one that wrapped her hands that day because I wasn't on that card but you know it's it's just one of those things. It's like you don't want your fighter to lose in your hand wraps. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's something. Those are our superstitions or mine, you know, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, man, I don't want that fighter to lose. Like, please don't lose. <laughs> so is there like a sign of like a good wrap job? How do you know when you've is it, there's obviously rules and regulations that you have to follow when there's somebody watching you guys wrap hands. What are those like? What What is the specific like rule for a, a wrap job? So pretty much. So any commission kind of has a little different rules here and there. Um, the Usually the main rules, you can have two rolls of gauze and two rolls of tape. So one gauze and one tape per hand. That's usually pretty across the board to the majority of commissions. Um, some commissions are way more lenient or some are more strict. You know, like you have like Bigfoot Silva, for instance, you're not going to use one roll of gauze on right. the, or one roll of tape on that guy's hands. Like it's just he's not going to be protected, you know. So um, and there are a few states that are like, you know, you can only use one and one for both. Does it matter? Yeah. One one roll of gauze for like both hands. That happened in a state that I was in working a, a different fight, not UFC. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's just not possible. I mean, this this fighter is going to break his hands, you know, depending or her hands, you know, however they decide to hit, you know. So but usually it's one, you know, roll of gauze and one roll of tape per hand. It's usually a consistent. Roll. And then so like when the fight is going on and somebody gets cut, uh, your fighter cuts someone. Is that the sign of a good rap job on your part or is it like a bad rap job that that because the goal is to like hurt somebody obviously and, and cut them so is that a good or bad sign if you know what and i don't i don't believe that has anything to do with the hand wrap um what we're really looking for is did that fighter break their hand after right or did they not yeah. you know and even if they did it still does not necessarily mean that the hand wrap was terrible if you're doing hammer fists i don't care what type of hand wrap you got you that know, part you're taking is the risk. yeah i it's mean it's not protected I yeah mean. it's it's just not happening and um, and again, fighters had different preferences. I prefer to wrap the thumb as well into my hand wrap. And a lot of fighters don't want their thumb wrapped, which then kind of loses the integrity of the hand wrap because then it's not all together. You know, so it's like if you don't have the thumb wrapped, you know, it's like you just have these four fingers and you don't have the extra support of here to like tighten it and lock it in. And so I always try to, you know, I, every time I walk into a, 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 you know, a locker room and I ask a fighter, you know, hey, do you want your thumbs wrapped? That's the first question I ask because it sucks if you're wrapping it and you're wrapping the thumb in and then they say, no, they don't want it. And now you got to cut off the thumb. And then the whole hand wraps basically garbage at that point. Right. You know, so that's usually always the first question I ask if they want their hand, if their thumbs wrapped. And um, it's, I think it's most important to have the thumb wrapped to, 
you know, I don't know, because I've just seen hands being broken without their thumbs being wrapped. But I've seen hands being broken with the thumbs wrapped. So, yeah. gosh, it's really it's really hard to to figure it out sometimes, you know. Well, it's like you said, it's all how people punch. I mean, it's and just I'm sure bro- bones are brittle on most of those guys that have been sparring for months on end or years on end. And so it's just like you said, and it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, right? I yeah, mean. especially if they already broke their hand previously. A lot of people have broke their hand several times. And then it's like you're playing with broken glass. So, you know, it's right. like, shoot, how can you protect that so well? And sometimes you can, but then, it, again, it comes down to the punch. How many strikes were they throwing? You know, was it was it five, five-minute rounds? You know, and it's, it's, so, it's so tough. Our job is just to help prevent injury to their hands. It's not a 100% guarantee. And even if – God forbid a fighter breaks their hand in your hand wrap doesn't necessarily mean that your hand wrap was crap. Right. It's just in how they were throwing their punches. But then again, there's those hand wraps that are terrible and zero protection. And maybe that is why they were, if you would have tightened it a little more or, you know, I mean, there's so many different variables. Well, they have their preference too. I mean, if they, somebody yeah. wants it a little looser, that's you, that's not on you. Cause that's what they wanted. And they went out there and broke their hands. So yeah. And some fighters don't want to wrap at all. So it's, a, it's really, it's just to help prevent, and I don't think you can really hold a whole lot to if there was an injury because there's just so many variables that go sure. into that. All we can do is do our best and how we learned, which has been most successful, and just do that and then just hope and pray everything goes nice and smooth. Wow. <laughs> nice. So how do you get assignments? I mean, like, does the UFC reach out to you and say, hey, are you available on these these fight weekends or other promotions, or, or do you have to, like, seek that yourself? Or so this is a really tough industry. Um, we still have to hustle all the time. Um, now, luckily with UFC, we are under contract. Usually it's an annual contract. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They, they do reach out to us. They set a schedule. They kind of just fish it out to who's near that area. So, for instance, if the East Coast, they're going to grab the majority of the East Coast guys, but they'll always have one or two veterans go. So, for instance, if it's a fight night, there's five cut men or a cut woman. Um, if it's a pay-per-view, we'll, they'll use six of us. And like I said, there's usually always one to two veterans, and then they kind of fill in with the non-veterans that are closer to that area. That's how the UFC kind of does it, the majority. Now, other promotions, now we, we can work other promotions alongside UFC, but UFC always has um, first priority. And uh, so we can fill in our weekends with any other event, whether it be boxing, Muay Thai, or MMA. And in that part, that's where the hustle comes in because – you got to hustle for a spot, yeah. you know, you, someone might already got it yeah. or, you know, I mean, in a lot of promotions, that's where you still wheel and deal. I still do shows for free outside UFC. I mean, it's like, I was gonna go do one in Wisconsin. One of our fellow fighters, UFC fighters, um, he has a fight promotion and I totally offered my services for free. I want to help him out. I want to help the fighters out. You know, it's, I do this because I love it. I don't do it for the money. This is, this is my hobby. This is, this is my heart. This is my passion. So, and you'll do those things for free, and and it helps the community. I mean, I do a lot of local fights here in Washington for free. You know, if a fighter needs me, I'm there. I don't, he doesn't have to worry about paying me a penny. You know, it also helps keep me up on my craft as well. So, I mean, it benefits us all. And and I just and I just love I love the sport. So. It seems like you kind of look at the MMA community as a big family. Like you're all trying, you want everyone to succeed in this from what I'm gathering. And then you said some of the other guys are kind of like, no, no, this is my spot. You can't, but you are more loving. It seems like to bring everyone in and be like, yes, let's all work together to be the best. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing to me. 
Well, thank you. And that's just kind of my personality, how it is anyway. It's like, naturally, I'm a fixer. I, I'm a fixer. I like to make things better, and I love to help people. That's, what I've, that's how I've always been. And, um, you know, again, if it's your true passion, you don't care if you're still doing some stuff for free. You know, I mean, some things, you know, you got to get some compensation somewhere, somehow. Like when I do like some free events, for example, if I'm going to go, you know, for example, to Wisconsin, all I ask is that I just have a place to stay, even if it's on somebody's couch. Like, it's okay. As long as she's got a place to stay, I'll take care of everything else. Like I'll buy my ticket there. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a, yeah, I just want to help the community and it's, it's my passion. It's their passion and we need to help others to succeed. And it's just, that's how it should be all together. And, and I know business is business and, and, and you get, you know, you get what you negotiate, not what you deserve. And so at the same time, business is cutthroat and it's really hard. But those times that you don't have to do that is what helps me keep going because there are people out there that appreciate what, what I do and what we do. And um, I just think there needs to be more of it. You know, not a lot of people know about cut men and cut women. Yeah. Like yeah. it's still pretty hush-hush. Yep. Not a lot of people know about us. You know, we're not just the people in black in the back. Like we have a purpose. You're and seen, but don't, yeah. I mean, I don't think people know your story and the stuff that you've gone through. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, you've been assaulted in the cage by people, which is just insane to me. Yeah, that's, that's really unfortunate that, that that happens. And it's, and you know, and thank God I've heard more women coming out of the woodwork about being in the industry. And I think it's great, you know, and if I can help, if I can go through the hard stuff to make it easier for the people coming up, like that's worth it to me do you look at yourself as a pioneer because you i mean you are you're like you're you're heading this all up like this is unheard of you like that's amazing that you know you're the first to do something do you do you think about that you know i don't i know that's what i am that's why a lot of people reference me too but i don't always think of it like that because you know to be honest sometimes i want to quit (laughs) (laughs) and it's like you know what? I just don't want to work this hard anymore. Yeah. It's, you know, I don't want to deal with what I'm dealing with anymore. You know, it's, it's hard. And, and we all have those times and those, those thoughts and those feelings. And then I think, you know what? And then I'll get this like inspirational message from like a woman wanting to be a cut woman or, or even a guy. Hey, how do I get in this industry? And it's like, you know what? And then they inspire me to keep going. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to let what so-and-so said or what so-and-so did quit. Make me f- stop doing what I worked so hard to do. And sometimes I need to I need to put myself up on a pedestal a little bit and, and think of myself as that I'm doing something really important and it's all worth it. I feel like most people kind of downplay what they do. I mean, it's just I think it's our nature, at least most of us, you know, you but you have to put yourself up on a pedestal, like you said, every now and then just to remind yourself and you get those messages on Twitter or whatever it is and, and that show you you're actually doing something that's making changes. I mean, in somebody's life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and because there's so many women that have contacted me like, gosh, I've always wanted to do this, but I didn't know that we could, or I don't even know how, how to start. Like, how, how can I do this? And, you know, and if I can help them in any way, even just them seeing my journey. And and that's why I like to share the negative parts too. Mm -hmm. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, you know? And, and sometimes I feel bad when I do like these podcasts or things like that. Like it, I, I don't want it to be so negative based on what has happened to me or these sorts of things. But at the same time, Everyone has something to learn from someone else's story. And it inspires other people that, hey, you're not the only one that's going to go through some crap. Like, it's bad sometimes. And and it's bad no matter what industry you pick. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Everyone has a story that anyone yeah. can learn from. 
You know, it's kind of what our podcast yeah, is about. Yeah, it's just yeah. learning more about people and yeah. like how they got to where they are. Because like you said, it's not all just sunshine and rainbows and a oh, easy walk to the UFC. I mean, you. so you started in 2006 and then got to the UFC in 2014. So yeah. it's a long time of hustling. To- it was a long time of hustling. And I'm, boy, I'm still hustling. Like it's still like, holy cow, man. And it's funny because people think that, oh, once you get to the big leagues, oh, it's just easy. It's just gravy. You know, it's like, oh, no, no, no. It seems like mass... <laughs> pandemonium at every event i mean just because you uh, 30 seconds the time's going and and like people are running all over the place is that is it as crazy as it sounds i mean or crazier it is as crazy as sounds but what's so wonderful working for the ufc for example they run like a well-oiled machine everything is to the minute the schedule's to the minute so that can either be super overwhelming for someone who's not organized or like me i feed off that type of organization like i love knowing i got to be done by this point or this or you know show starts this or the walk starts now like i love that type of organization and i love that type of stress and that pressure because to me i get i think of it it's it's positive pressure and stress to me and that's where i feed off of it and why i want to keep doing it because it's like man it's just so I mean, the atmosphere is just insane, and it's it's just so cool to be there and just experience all the different emotions from everyone, from a win, from a loss. Like, it's just the most real experience you can ever have. And and I remember Burt Watson, he said in my first show, he was like, all right, baby, he's like, don't, don't let your lights go out when the lights come on. And uh, what he meant is, like, when you're standing there and the fighters come out on their walk, like, boom, the lights are on, and they're brighter than any light you've ever seen. And some people, when that come on, they just freeze. Not just mean UFC, but any event, yeah. like they just freeze. Sure. They're like, oh my God, like it's happening. And so I still remember to this day, I just, I always think about that, you know, when the lights come on, don't let your lights go out. And uh, that's, that's so true. It's like, boom, showtime. Do you see that a lot in like the smaller promotions you work, like first time fighters? I mean, do they come out, the lights go on and they just go, oh crap, it's real. You know, I have, and I have this story and I feel so bad for this guy. Um, I was at a an event. It was a pro event, not UFC or any of those. It was a kind of a more unknown event. And um, one of the, the one fighter, like Blue Corner, walks out and is in the cage and ready to go. And we're waiting for Red Corner to come out. And so Red Corner's coming out and he's walking with his camp. He gets to the cage. Or he's about halfway to the cage, and he about faces. He U turns and walks straight out and never came back. I was like, what? oh my. I mean, it was just like, oh, I feel you, dude, because I probably would do the same thing. I mean, oh, my gosh. The type – these fighters are so inspirational because they have a gift that most people would never obtain. I mean, who in their right mind outside these people would go in somewhere knowing they're going to get beat up? I mean, I just think that's incredible. I mean, their strength and their mental strength and their resilience is just incredible, and that's why I love that women are doing it too, you know, because it's like, man – like she's a badass. Like that is just so cool. Like I can be as cool as her, you know, or, and it's just, these fighters are just amazing. And so sometimes in those situations, yeah, like that fighter was come out. He's like, you know what? Nope, I can't do it. Turn around, walked right out. And it's just like, did he ever fight again? Or was I, that- I don't know. I don't think, I don't think he did. Um, that was, I think it was it. He was like, no, nope, can't do it. And <laughs> I'm like, I can't blame him. Cause I, I probably would have done the same thing to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I, Nope. Realizing that there's another man on the other side of a cage trying to beat my face in. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's for me. So that's never like inspired you. Like you have you, do you train? Have you trained? Do you, you've never thought about having a fight? 
you know, I, I never used to think about having a fight. And until recently, probably this year, I thought, you know what, I think I can do it. You know, whether or not I can is right. another thing. But so I started doing some training, like just to, because I love hitting mitts are so fun, like boxing and kickboxing. Like that's just fun. It's a great workout. Like it's just so fun. It's, it's like a dance when you're hitting mitts, you know? And, um, I was thinking, you know what? I got popped in the mouth one day and I took it real good. I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I just got hit in the face. And I'm okay with that. And I, and I kind of like it. And it looks cool. Just saying. That's not, a, not a freak out moment. Huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe I could do it. And I, I've thought about maybe doing it. And then I got scared away from it because, unfortunately, lately there's been several um, stories about fighters who've been passing away oh, yeah. from brain yeah. damage. And that gives me a whole new big respect for these yeah. fighters that are still in it because it's like every punch unfortunately it could be your last you never know we just lost a really beautiful woman um, from a brain aneurysm you know and you know you've seen the few fighters in boxing that yep. have yep. passed and it's just we just lost another fighter very recently and um what they you gotta love what you do to go in there and take that kind of a risk and it's just they just inspire the hell out of me and i just have so much respect for them because i i couldn't do it myself with having kids i'm like yeah. nope i can't do it i'm not gonna do it so is there like any fighters that you've been able to work with where you just like total freak out moment for you where you get done and the fight's over and you're like blowing up your phone? Oh my gosh, you can't believe who I just wrapped their hands and who I got able to work with. You know, I would say not anyone particularly, um, only for the fact that I need to stay completely neutral. Sure. You know, I work with and all of them, but there's but definitely has it happened. I mean, have you? There's been some. When I first got, I'd have to say to the UFC, I'm, you're walking backstage and you're seeing stars left and right. Not only just the fighters, you're seeing movie stars, you're seeing reality stars. I mean, it's like a whole new world back there. And so I was super starstruck. Of just, I got so nervous because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I don't know if I could do this. I mean, like these, this is this is the real deal. And, um, yeah, there's been some fighters that are just like, oh, my gosh, there's so-and-so right there. Yeah. I've never seen this person outside of TV. Like, it's just crazy, the realization of where you are and how, how big it really is. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just an incredible experience. And even when I did WSOF, that's where I met some um, retired UFC fighters that ended up getting back at the game and were, like, starting in WSOF. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, that's so-and-so. And yeah. I wrapped their hands, like – this is crazy. If I can do it there, I can do it here. And yeah, there's been so many crazy experiences. Um, yeah, there's this one time we, I was, uh, in Ross Pearson's corner, just kind of a funny story. And he got, he was bleeding a lot. Like it was, these guys were just like going to battle hard. And so I went in there, I think it was probably the second round and I'm trying to wipe him off. And, um, he, went up with his glove and scratched my face but didn't scratch my face to where you know anything happened other than it was his blood on my face and I remember the look he gave me when he turned around because he he knew he accidentally had hit me and then he sees blood all down the side of my face literally from my <laughs> eye down to my my jaw and he was like <gasps> like oh my god did I just cut her I mean and it was and, and it's that was kind of a funny experience went back and he just kept keep kept looking you know like oh my god did i just did i just cut her you know and it's like no you're good you're good um do you so think that, was, that like mentally got him out of the fight like worrying that he he hit a woman on accident and i don't think so because he went back in there and it as if nothing even happened um i just think it was just an initial like whoa yeah like oh my god i i knew i hit hit someone and then he sees blood on my face and that's i think he was a little just taken aback for a second of like gosh did i do that and 
but it was good. Got him back to the corner, got him all cleaned up, and he did great, and it was a really good fight, but that was kind of a, a funny moment that happened. Is there a moment other than getting a call from the UFC that you realized you made it? Like maybe wrapping a certain person's hand that requested you? Or just is there a moment for you that you're like, yeah, I've, I, I'm at the pinnacle of where I've wanted to be? You know what? I just don't think anything beats the first phone call that I got of in the UFC. To me then, I mean, my goal was to be one of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. And to do that, I needed to be in the UFC. And for the UFC to take a quote-unquote gamble on me and, and give me a chance for all the other women out there um, to see if I can do it, and that was the most special day that I will never forget. And I think that was definitely the... I made it, you know, even with the little, you know, trial and errors that go on, even being in the UFC, which is certain situations like you're that, there, man, I'm like, there and I'm still there. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, five and a half years, February will be six years and I'm still there and I'm still there. You know, I'm still strong. So thank you. Appreciate That's it. That's a huge yeah. accomplishment. I mean, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been fun. So like, um, you know, you mentioned like your, your kids, are you able to, able to take your family with you on the road? I mean, or, or just, just exclusively you traveling from, you know, here to Vancouver or, you know, some of these other cities that you work? So I definitely have taken my family before. Uh, we went to, I took my kids and my mom and my dad to Portland when they had a UFC there. Um, it was a fight night, and that was actually their very first event. And the UFC, there's just the bomb. They got my family VIP tickets, so they were sitting there cage side. And, and um, so... I was, of course, in the back and in the front. And then when I knew that I was done cage side that night, I went and got my kids and walked them backstage, which was super special for them. And um, I guess when my son, one of my sons was um, cage side, cowboy was fighting, um, and he gave my son his hat, or one of his camps gave him his UFC hat. And um, that was super special. One of the cutmen says, hey, did you know that one of Cowboy's camps just gave your son a hat? And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? That's so cool. And, you know, and so that was really special. And they came backstage and they hung out with me there. And then we went to the locker rooms because the night's finishing up. So mm -hmm. everyone was pretty much done, but just showed them around. And then they got to take the fighter bus back to, you know, back to the hotel with me. I mean, you, no, not many kids can get no. on the UFC fighter bus and drive back with the fighters. I mean, it was just, it was just one of the best experiences, but yeah, if there's anything local, I like to take them, whether it be UFC or any other event, yeah. you know, cause I mean, I liked, I work a lot right. outside of the UFC too. And I just want to spend the most time with them as possible. So they do, but if I do any long distance, I usually don't because I mean the tickets on my dime. So it's like, oh. wow. So UFC doesn't cover anything for you. They just pay you the, your annual fee and no, UFC pays everything for me. So your flight and everything? Everything for me, oh, yes. Okay. But if I want to bring if, any additional gotcha. people, I mean, that's on me. Or, sure. or if I want to extend my stay, mm -hmm. then I pay the difference. But, oh, man, the UFC treats us like gold, man. They take a, they, We get, you know, our personal chauffeurs, like, from the airport to the hotel. I mean, we get per diem. We get our flights covered. We stay in the best hotels. I mean, it, you couldn't ask to work for better promotion. I mean, UFC is just a bomb at that. Um, and we're, we have the opportunity to extend our stay wherever we're at, um, you know, and we can bring our family with us, you know. Yes, again, we pay for that part, which is totally understandable and fine. But that's still fine. a lot less than what you would pay for right. everyone. Yeah, exactly, you know. So, yeah, we, we can bring our family to wherever we want with them. So are your kids like superstars at school because of mom? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? My oldest son, since he's in seventh grade, 
he definitely kind of feels like he's a little superstar and he tells his friends and I think that's really special. Well, yeah, really he's cute. getting to hang out with UFC <laughs> fighters on a bus. No other kids I, know, I told him, I was like, you don't realize how cool your mama is. I said, I don't know what grade is going to hit you. You're going to realize how cool your mama is. But one day you're going to realize how cool your mom is. <laughs> Did you ever think a girl from Alaska would be doing this traveling? Do you guys uh, first class, you get the, the A-list treatment. Did you ever think you would be doing that? No. I mean, gosh, I... I again some people say well how did you know this was what you wanted to do and I never I never really knew I mean I knew when I saw it I'm Mm -hmm. like this is what I want to do but I couldn't tell you what you know really put me in that direction other than very recently um, I found out that my grandfather was a pro boxer and he fought in the golden gloves a few times had no idea till like a year ago and um and I I feel I'm I'm somewhat on the spiritual side so I feel that maybe he put me in the direction too and I know he'd be and I never met him before and so when I found out that he used to box I'm like that's it that he's putting me in the direction of where I need to be whispering in your ear right exactly yeah, yeah. like I guess it's in my blood literally right. and I had no idea yeah. till just recently. what did you want to be when you grew up then you know I I love the medical field my dad and my brother police my brother right now is paramedic um you know, firefighter, I grew up in that. And so that's why I took the paramedics course. And I took it actually when I was 16, but you had to be 18. And But they let me go through the whole course. I had no idea. I passed. And as he's going to hand me my license, he says, Unf- you passed. But you unfortunately, I can't give it to you. And I'm like, what? He's like, you got to be 18. I didn't know you were 16. You couldn't, like, have told, you couldn't have told me this like <laughs> three like, weeks ago? Yeah. Could you like, you know, save me some time here? Like, you know, and so um, I also, I was had a real passion for being a 911 dispatcher, and I tried for that for a little bit. Um, but the schedule was just being a single mom of two kids. I couldn't do 12 hours overnight, you know, for example. And so that kind of faded away. But I would still love to be a 911 dispatcher. That maybe be, a backup plan? Right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe when my kids are old enough can stay home and safely by themselves, we'll yeah. think about that. But right now, it's, you know, it's the fight business and uh, the post office. Yeah, I was going to say, you're like, working six days at a post office, right? Yeah. How are you like Swayze at at the post office, or are you just like, hey, it's Swayze? Um, well, I'm totally just me, uh, but you can't help those UFC fans or fight fans that come in and recognize me. And I've been on a several, you know, local stations in town, and they know what post office I work at. And so it's been it's sweet when they come in and they random say, people just come oh in for gosh. a photo or something, right? Exactly. And so, and it's funny because there's a few other post offices around, obviously, in the Tri Cities. and. <laughs> The, I'll have a random carrier that comes in dropping off mail and be like, are you the fight girl? Like, and, uh, you know, because Pasco is a huge post office. So obviously, like, my my name is rolling around there. And it's just funny because every new person, like, oh, you're Swayze. You're the fight girl. You're the UFC girl. Or you're this. And so that's kind of sweet and special. So but you're I'm just, a mini celebrity. Yeah, in in, in town. But um, Is that weird to you? I mean, do you, do you have you ever had, like, people walk up to you and you're like, whoa, like, I'm I'm at Applebee's eating something. What are you doing? You know, that has my happened. Family. That has happened a few times, and and my kids, I think it's just they just eat it up. They're like, oh my gosh, mom, you're famous, which means I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh honey, I am only quote unquote famous in the fight world. But um, yeah, more and more people are trying to know who I am. I also did. Um, I was on the TV show Kingdom with Nick Jonas and yeah. and Frank Grillo, and you know, and so that was so fun. You know, I've had such amazing opportunities. So there's a lot of people that watch that show. You know, and so, yeah, I do get a few people here and there and, and it's special. But to be honest, I'm not so, I am actually very shy, believe it or not. Um, 
And I don't typically like the attention unless I'm in the situation. You know, if I'm at a UFC event, like you just play the role. Mm -hmm. Because you're in your element. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, it's in your element. That's where you're most comfortable. You play the role, right? But a lot of times when a show's done, I got to go to my room and I got to decompress. Like that was so much pressure. Even just the the social pressure, it's like, oh my gosh, like I just got to go decompress before I can go back out and like visit people, you know? So when I'm home, I really loved that a lot of people didn't really know who I was because I didn't, I don't like that type of attention typically because I'm just too shy for it. You know, it's like, I'm an introvert, I guess I'm, I'm finding out. So, yeah. So do you have like a massive adrenaline dump after a show? I mean, like you said, you kind of have to go decompress. I mean, is it, are you like, feel like you're going a hundred miles an hour and then the show's over and you're just like, bleh. Oh, totally drained, completely drained. And I don't know that's because again, like I'm introvert. Um, I mean, also the atmosphere is just crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so high pressure in there just to make sure that you perform well all night long because just like the fighters you know your last fight could be your last you know it's always how you perform performed last so it's constant stress and pressure for me because I know I am being looked at 10 times more by my bosses and things like that to make sure I do everything right understandable um, that is, yeah, it's just so high pressure for me that I need to go and literally decompress. Like I don't go to the after parties. I've gone to a few just to have the experience. I don't do that, man. I'd rather be in my room, just chilling, like watching some TV and just getting back down to life. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do like during a fight when you don't have a fighter in the cage? Are you getting your tape? Cause you guys have the vest with all the, your material and stuff. Are you like restocking that or, or are you just hanging out? watching the fights and and enjoying yourself so i guess to kind of give you the best outlook i should kind of tell you how how the night works so when we get to the venue we have about two and a half hours before show starts usually fighters show up about two hours to an hour and a half before showtime so when we get into our room we're all handed our sheet which tells us who we're wrapping and then once we determine who we're going to wrap then usually the um senior cut men will then make the cage side schedule and we alternate because again some of us have um special requests so we need to go relieve that cut man so they can come back and you know do their request and so on and so forth so they will make the schedule but before show starts we 90 percent of the time we know where we're going to be and when now of course every show is different sometimes things get crazy we got to pull someone or relieve someone at the cage that sort of thing so so things change throughout the evening but um yeah, it's just kind of like, yeah, during the beginning of the night, we know kind of where we're going to go and, and what we're going to do um, for that evening. And so I, I guess I, you said that you go into the cage after every round now, but like before that, were you hoping someone got cut so you had something to do? That's a kind of a loaded question. <laughs> uh, we don't. Not, not hoping that somebody gets hurt, to. but like you want, you, but you want something to do. You don't want to just sit on the cage and hope nothing happens or are you hoping yeah everyone's great because they're your friend you've done your job because you're not in the cage all the time yeah i mean i guess it goes for a nice easy night of no one gets cut and you're relaxed and you're like oh man thank goodness i didn't have to like prove myself today right like we're good i was having a rough day i didn't have to prove myself that's nice and and comforting um at the same time you'll see like if i'm blue corner and i see red corners cut i'd be like oh man i wish he had blue gloves on so i could go in there and prove myself right (laughs) you know so yeah it's it's kind of like that and then when we're going back to kind of your question because i didn't finish it there um once sometimes my night will be over i might only work 
just the first six fights and there's still six left so then i'll be in the back i'll finish up wrapping fighters hands that haven't been wrapped um and then once everyone's been wrapped we still have about an hour and a half till the night is over even after the main event is 100 percent, we still have like an hour hour and a half and then yes we kind of relax and we'll eat and we can watch you know the monitors and actually watch the fights enjoy at that point. yourself right right enjoy ourselves um and then when fights over man we all book it to the bus to get on and get back to the hotel or like because especially when you're doing the shows that don't get over till like 11 o'clock at night yeah. you know we have we could be waiting two hours for the second bus if we can't get on that first bus so we all book it to the first bus to hopefully get on so we can get back and then because when you get back to the venue or to the hotel with all the fighters especially if you're on like the second bus or even the first bus i mean you got to take an elevator to your room and you could be waiting half hour 45 minutes for an elevator so it's Jeez. like you want to get back quick is there a lot of like it, fans waiting at the hotel for for fighters and then you have to stay like i just want to get back to my room but now i got to be nice to all these people yes yeah, so a lot of the fans will go back to the host hotel because they, they know where they're staying mm -hmm. and then yes that's usually a lot of fans come as we're walking out to go to the venue there's a lot of fans there but not as many as when the fight's over because now the fans want to party with the fighters i was gonna say that's always fun when they're all yeah. liquored up and yelling right? obscenities at people oh my gosh and do we have stories for days oh <laughs> man um but yeah like yeah you'll just get the people that want a, a quick picture or sometimes which is fun to like to do with the other guys the cutmen is if we're close enough we'll just walk back to the hotel and it's nice but still we get stopped a lot and get pictures or a little autograph which is sweet and special and mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like you do not know what kind of night I had. Like, right. let me just get back to my room. But I'm so happy to take a picture with you. But let's can we just do it while we're walking? Yeah. Let's just walk and talk. Let's just walk and talk. Put the sunglasses on and keep Yeah, walking. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, favorite city you've been to? You know, I mean. It, it. Oh, gosh. I've been through. So, in the U.S., my favorite city, I'd have to say, is, is Tennessee. Nashville. We went to Nashville. And I love Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And the reason I love those places is because the people are so friendly oh my gosh some of the nicest people i ever met and i remember when i went to nashville my driver was um the old mayor of nashville and so he's telling me stories upon stories and how he lives next door to faith hill and and tim mcgraw and they you, you know he'd go over for holiday dinners and he'd tell me just the whole history of like nashville and so uh, you know usually i think then it was like a 20 minute drive from the airport to the hotel and we spent like an hour he took me around the block like we were just learning so downtown nashville yeah dude he was like giving me the tour and it was just so great i'm like i am literally being chauffeured by the ex-mayor who's telling me all <laughs> these really cool stories and so i loved that it's a toss-up between uh tennessee and louisiana i liked it when do you have to get uh somewhere for a fight do you show up on like a thursday or are you guys getting there Friday for the Saturday fights? Uh, how far in advance do you have to show up? So usually with our schedule is we fly out the day before. We do the fight on Saturday. Then we fly out the day after. That oh. is our, our schedule. We are in and we're out. Again, we are having the opportunity to extend in either direction. We could spend a whole week there if we want. But mm -hmm. um, usually us coming, we like to go and we get out because – the other cutmen like they're super big into boxing so they got boxing events boom they got to hop on a flight go to china or go to you know germany so yeah it's a real quick in and out especially with me that's how i do it um because my kids and, and my other job you know it's like i fly out friday after i work after 5 p.m i try to get the latest flight i can even if it's red eye i arrive saturday early morning and maybe get a couple hours of sleep depending which state we're in to when the fights start 
and then I do the show. And then sometimes I leave the venue straight from the venue to the airport to get home so I could be to work on Monday. (laughs) It's crazy. So are they pretty forgiving at work? Like, you know, they understand that you do have a side job or is the expectation like, hey, this is where you make your bread and butter. You know, they view, do they view the UFC or the other promotions as kind of a side gig? Or I, I wish they did, but they don't. Um, I work for the government, so they yeah. don't care. I almost I almost got an AWOL two weeks ago. I went to work show in Canada, and they had this freak snowstorm that I happened. I saw the story on your Instagram. Yes, it seems, man. It seems so crazy. Like, there were no flights out of Lethbridge, Canada on Sunday. I needed to go home on Sunday so I could be to work on Monday. There were no fights, com- flights. They were completely canceled. So me and a bunch of the guys hopped. I, I changed flights six times did my flights change. Boom, boom, boom. So we drove two and a half hours. Well, it was supposed to be a two and a half hour drive on dry land. But with the snow, it took us four and a half. And I literally made it, made it two minutes to where my door closed because we had to drive to a complete different city to fly out to have the best chance to get out. And my boss was saying, if you don't get here on Monday at 8 a.m., I have no choice but to make you AWOL. Even though I let her know on Friday that I might not make it Monday, hey, can I, can I extend my leave to Monday? And she said, nope, I don't have anybody. So if I wouldn't have showed up, it would have been AWOL. And so does I that just, mean you're fired? No, but that's not good. Not I don't good. know if military, I mean, yeah, if well, you're yeah. familiar with that, if you go AWOL, you're gonzo. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, And so same with the post office. It's government. It's like, no, but if you do not show up on your scheduled time, um, I think it's called like annual or something without leave or approval without leave yeah. or something like that. I don't know what it is, but it's not good. It's <laughs> not good for letters. I know it's not good, and I don't want that on I my record. I don't want that. Yeah, so. So what keeps you, like, just a ton of coffee? Like, are you a coffee fiend? Like, or do you just sleep when you can? Like, can you sleep on an airplane and then at a hotel? Can you crash at a moment's notice? I can't. I mean, well, I, now I can sleep on an airplane. So I'm, I'm very proud of myself because I – one of my biggest fears is flying. Still is. Always. <laughs> this guy's right there with you. Yes, brother. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. I don't like it. I don't like it. And um, But now I've, I've trained myself that I can I just comfort myself enough to fall asleep. Or if I'm doing international, I have some help um, <laughs> from my doctor. <laughs> right. Uh, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you got to make it somehow. And uh, so I, I do. I have now been, I think, addicted to coffee. Um, I actually... <laughs> I drink it every day now, and I used to hate it. That I'm the same and way. I, I love it. I, like the the winters here. Like I was working. I used to work uh, swing shift, and then I all of a sudden got a morning shift, and I could not wake up in the morning, especially in the wintertime when it was so dark outside. Started drinking some of the Starbucks uh, coffee my wife had, and then oh, yeah. and then it just got into a little bit of this, and now it's just one cup a day. But I could easily go more if I needed to, especially with a 14 month old in the house. Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. That so so coffee goes. is the answer for you. You know, if I have to work... Or is it just straight adrenaline? Like, crap, I have to be to work, so, like, that's what kicks up and... Yeah, so if I'm going to work, whether it be the post office on a Monday after traveling all weekend, I need that coffee. But if I'm going home, and even if I've been up for already 24 hours, like, I don't want to drink any coffee because I want to sleep on that plane. (laughs) Right. I want to make sure that my time flies. But, yeah, if it's, like, if I get to an event and I got to, you know, I don't get a good amount of sleep, like, coffee is life... And then, yeah, like when I get home, I got to have some coffee before I go to work because I'll just be dragging all day. I'll be worthless. So uh, you grew up in Alaska, got married to a military guy, right? That's what I read. So I'm assuming you traveled around with him, ended up in Montana, I think Spokane for a little bit. How did you settle on the Tri-Cities? 
So, yeah, um, we met in Alaska. I met him when I was 16. We got married when I was 19. He got into the military. We went, our first base was Fairchild in Spokane. And, um, and then we went, actually got to go back home to Alaska for four years. We were there. Um, and then he got PCS again to Idaho, Mountain Home. Mm. And so we were there, and that's actually when the divorce happened, was in Idaho. And my family, my parents had already moved back to the state of Washington. So to, that's how we got here. They were in the Tri-Cities. Mm-hmm. And so we just came back to be with family. And right. then um, he, after 10 years, he got out of the military and then moved um, closer to us as well. And then we've just kind of just stuck here. Nice. So yeah. you like it in the Tri-Cities, obviously. I do like it in the Tri-Cities because, again, growing up in Alaska, I mean, four hours of, of daylight <laughs> yeah, I, right. for nine months. Like, I need the sun and I need the warmth, and the Tri-City gives me all that. Like, yeah. it's almost sunny every day. I just, yeah, it's perfect. I really enjoy it. But my friends are trying to get me to move to Vegas, and I'm contemplating that. <laughs> it seems like it'd be a good idea until, like, <laughs> you know, the early summer and then all through summer it's it's just too crazy there for me oh my gosh it is and i'm not like the the strip person you know that likes it to, I, but all of my friends are in las vegas all of my friends all my best friends of all time are there and so i mean it benefit in several different ways but my kids they love it here and they have all their friends and i just don't want to take that from well, them when you got so. the help of your parents too like if you have to travel i'm, I'm assuming the kids go right there oh i don't have their help anymore oh, they done they done left us and moved back to alaska oh, about three wow. months ago yeah oh, oh i'm sorry i didn't know no, no no that's okay and um yeah they moved back home to alaska and like the sixth time um <laughs> but why why i know <laughs> trust me i've been up one side and down the other trying to not make them move and they just that's just home for them that's where they want to be and it's what they need to make themselves happy and i mean not like they weren't happy with us and they sure. miss their grandkids terribly um but i can't ever move back to alaska <laughs> tell I, them sorry guys i don't blame you i can't so like have you ever seen a fight or like a cut that you're like whoa i don't know about this one is anything like weirded you out? A few. Uh, the main one would be Leslie Leslie Smith's ear. I mean, it yeah. exploded. Um, unfortunately, that fight ended up being called by um, by the doctor, which is out of my hands. Doesn't matter if I and, and I closed it. I stopped it from bleeding. It was good, but he was concerned that her ear would actually fall off. And Jessica, I was like, I'm gonna keep punching you till <laughs> it falls off. So well, yeah, um, I mean, if you see an injury, that's naturally where you're gonna go, right? So you can't let them go back out there right you know and and that was that happened in mexico city and that doctor made that call regardless of how well the ear looked after i was done um you know it was kind of a bummer for me because again i always have to prove myself i'll say hey i can even hold an ear together so so is that a challenge i got this yeah that's a challenge for you obviously yeah that's something that it, it is a personal challenge of mine it's like i have to always prove myself that's how i feel and, and I want to prove myself because I want to be one of the veterans one day and I want to work all the shows. You know, I, I want to do what I love on a more consistent basis. And, um, but her, her ear was, was challenging. Even though she didn't get to continue, um, it was still, I was thankful to have the opportunity to fix her ear. I mean, it looked great afterwards. Um, I actually, the most recent fight I did, which I've never experienced before, was a bare knuckle boxing event mm. that I did. And, this fighter, unfortunately, that fight was called to in the second round by the fighter. He said he could not see out of his left eye. It was black. Mm. And you can't continue if you can't do that. Yeah. Um, but he was the most challenging. Anytime he was touched, he got cut. Un- I mean, understandably so. I mean, you're touching yeah. with bare knuckles, you know, at full force. And I was so excited to do it because that challenge was just so huge. He had 
three large cuts with swelling, cuts on top of swelling. And I just went in there and attacked it in the first round and I did great. And in the second round, boom, he's just coated in blood again because he got two more cuts. I mean, it, it was just the most incredible experience ever. And I think um, the show that I'm working called Fight Night in, in Canada are going to do some more bare knuckles. So, I mean, there's no way of getting your experience any more than at a bare knuckle boxing yeah. event. And it was scheduled for five rounds, five three-minute rounds because it's bare knuckle. Um, so that was the most challenging. And, and I was bummed that he couldn't continue, but I was thankful that he knew himself that he couldn't continue. Therefore, right. he, he's, you know, he, he might have disconnected his retina. Who knows? Yeah. Detached it. I mean, it was completely black. He couldn't see out of his left eye. So it was a great call on his part, and I respect him for calling it. I mean, it's usually not the fighter that's going to say, I can't yeah. continue, you know. And so that was that was the most I'd ever worked was those two <laughs> events in a night. That was just crazy. Do you ever make recommendations like a doctor, like, hey, there's not much I can do with this, or or do you have contact with them during the fight, or do they are they off to the side? So we have a lot of contact with our doctors, and we work really close to them, and they they give us our space to work. They, I mean, they don't want to be the one that calls a fight and be the yeah. bad guy, you know. <laughs> and of course, as us as cut men and cut women, we don't have um, that authority to do so. So the a lot of the times we'll come out of the cage, and the doctor will say, "So how did that look?" We'll say, oh, it was just, you know, it was great. It was just, it was fine. It was just a little this or that. Oh, sure. And yeah, and if they ever, I mean, because they're constantly watching too. Um, so when a doctor comes in, we immediately need to step away and let them assess because um, they know more about damage than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we respect whatever call the doctor makes. And But the doctor, 99.9% of the time, always just lets us do our thing. They're like, and, and again, if they are watching and see something that obviously we are not trained to see, they will come in. And they will assess and they will make their judgment call based on that. But, yeah, they always just let us do our thing and we, we stay in close contact and we tell them what we saw. And, the, and you know, one of the doctors was saying, if this gets worse, I'm going to have to call it. That happened on one of the fights. And he was like, wow, I'm really impressed that you brought that swelling down enough that I didn't have to cancel it. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> and thank you. That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> That's just what I do. Yes. So do you guys give kudos to each other backstage? You know, like if. Somebody sees like, wow, geez, Louise, I can't believe she was able to get the swelling down or be able to get that. I mean, that looked like an absolute axe wound of a, you know, of a cut. She was able to kind of get that to so that the fighter was able to continue. Do you guys give props to each other? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Us come in, we'll be like, hey, great job on that cut. Or, you know, the, the doctors would be like, holy cow, like you did so great. Like, you know, and and that always feels so good when we're sitting there and the doctor comes up and it's like, you did a great job. And, and even when the ref, they're like, you closed that cut so well, I was going to call it if you didn't close it as good as you did he's like i just let you do your thing and boom you give that fighter another round i mean that is what that's why i do what i do you know for that and it's so special when that happens so it's it's that's what keeps you going is the kudos from a ref or dana or whoever it may be that's like hey great job on that that's is that what internally makes you want to keep going or is it the notes from twitter or wherever it is or all of it, I guess. I would, I would say a little bit all of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's my work. It's my passion. You want someone to appreciate your work. And the only way people can appreciate my work is by telling me how well my hand wraps are or how well I closed the cut or brought down swelling. So when I get that, it feeds me to keep going and be like, oh, you did good. Like, even though you might have not been sure on whatever, like, you did good. And it shows. And that's my work. You always want people to be proud of your work. Right. So yeah. it's like, I mean... Like kind of in golf, like you said a couple of weeks ago, you wanted to quit, but maybe this next event, 
ref comes up and you're and, hey great job so that's going to make you forget about wanting to quit or is that always kind of in the back of your mind yeah so i'm always going to have a time that i want to throw in the towel unfortunately we all will um i think that's natural it's though. just just yeah. natural yeah i mean sometimes you don't want to do something forever yeah i mean and, and the stress and the pressure sometimes unnecessarily gets stronger on one person than someone else and it's like man like I don't know if I want to fight this hard anymore. You know, I mean, it's like I'm tired of fighting. Like, I've been doing this for so long. I, I haven't made a mistake. Like, why is this not happening? Or why am I not doing that event? Or, you know, you start to doubt yourself. And then I quickly think that, you know what? Or if someone says something super negative to me, I'm like, you know what? That is the reason I'm not going to quit. Mm -hmm. Because that is exactly why you're doing what you're doing is so I will quit. So I'm no longer that immediate threat to you. Right. And it's like. So that is when I start feeling any negative feelings, I'm like, you know what? Just stop it. Yeah. This is my time to push even harder, you know, and, and let my success speak for itself. And eventually they'll stop talking or they'll stop threatening <laughs> me or they'll stop doing whatever, you know, right. and maybe they won't. And that's OK, too. But I refuse to quit over what someone else has an opinion about me yeah. or try to do It's a great mindset. Me. I mean, is do you get a lot of hate on social media? You know, I actually don't get a lot of hate on social media. I have had the most support through social media that I could ever imagine. Um, I'd say in most situations, it's actually my 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 team that I struggle with the most. Um, because not meaning my team like the promotion, but meaning my other cut team, whether, right. whether I'm working in the UFC event or I'm working in a Victor event or doing this, because, again, that's everyone's paycheck. And if I'm there, I've taken the spot of someone else. And even though we should be a team and we do work as a team on fight night, it's like the freaking mafia. I mean, they every, all of them got a knife behind their back no matter what they're saying to your face. And that's really unfortunate in that that's what bothers me the most. It's like it's, like, it's not the fighters. It's not the, the coaches that give me the hardest time. It's my actual team, the one we're supposed to be a team. you know. And, and again, when we're at the event, we are a team and we work together and we get the job done. But there's certain people that want to be on every card, I would assume. So if they're you're on one and they're not, is that where it's coming from? Like, hey, that should be mm -hmm. me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I have to say I'm guilty of thinking the same of, hey, I haven't worked a show. Let's just say, for example, oh, I haven't worked a show for three months. I should be on that card. I've you know, been doing my this past longer. performance has been perfect. Yeah. Why am I on there? Right. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, there's definitely that. and But that's where I just have to be happy sometimes with where I'm at and just move on from there and um, just keep in contact with my boss and say, hey, man, like if I'm noticing that like a, a downfall in work, I'll call my boss right up and say, hey, what's going on? Like I respect whatever you have to tell me, but I just need to know what's going on. Yeah. Like why did I perform in a way that you didn't like? What okay, can, I do, what can I do? What can I do to improve? Or hey, I noticed I haven't worked in three months. What can I do to be on the next card? You know, so it's things like that, you know, and, and again, everyone, every organization is different. Everyone schedules differently. Um, like I said, UFC, for example, they, they mainly try to go for to a business needs to save money. They don't want to spend money where they don't have to. And right. so if there's a Vegas show, they're going to pull the people who a live in Vegas up to the five or six that we need or the people in the very close surrounding areas. It makes sense. You're not going to pull someone from the East coast to come you know, to the West coast. Right. You know, so, so you get it. So that's more understandable UFC wise, you know, it's like. I'm not going to work every show because I'm not one of the veterans yet. Even though I've been in almost six years, well, I still have the people who've been there for 10 plus. So I'm still not a veteran. So I'm not going to be on every every card. And I know that. But um, if I haven't worked in six months, I'm definitely, my boss going to get a phone call and be like, hey, 
what can we do to change the situation? Like, I don't know what's going on, but I need to know what's going on. So are you guaranteed X amount of dates from the UFC? No. Nope. Nope. We are just contracted. Usually, um, we're just contracted like annually. Okay. And then they have first priority if they were to call and say, hey, we need you for this weekend. We can't do anything for that weekend, um, which I'm happily to be under contract in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. And then uh, it's... Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, your future plans. I mean, you know, it, listening to you, um, sounds like there's really no formal schooling other than, you know, a friend of yours. Is that something that you maybe you've thought some put some thought into is, you know, maybe going down that avenue where you can be a little bit more closer to home more often and maybe find an avenue out of possibly getting an AWOL down the line? <laughs> <laughs> no AWOLs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, my ultimate goal is to do what I love and find a way to make money doing it and that doesn't matter whether it's teaching other people or me working I mean I love working because I get to do what I love every weekend and that's ultimately what I want to do like I don't want to work the regular nine-to-five job that's not how I was made that's not what I'm made for that's not what I'm happy with I'm don't get me wrong I'm very grateful for the job I have to work for the government but that's not what I want to do That's not where I'm happy. Yeah. No, I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, if you're willing to do what you do to travel, yeah. red eye, coffee, two hours sleep here, Free. two hours sleep there. Yeah. Free events. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty evident. So. Yeah, so my, my future goal is just to eventually do it, um, again, just completely full-time every weekend and just travel with my kids and do what I love to do and be successful at it. Any thoughts of opening your own school in Washington or joining your friend's school? Um, yeah, I've definitely already been a special guest at my friend's um, school, and it was very successful. He had his first class, and he had you know several people you know fly in even on one day notice. They were like, "Yep, I'm gonna. We have an opening. Okay, I'm coming." You know, all the way from Boston to right. Vegas. Um, so I mean, and there's the amount, the volume of people that I'm getting that want to learn how to be a cut man or a cut woman. It's huge, yeah. you know. So I just always try to redirect him to my friend because he's been my mentor. Any way I can give back to him. Um, is important and uh, and I'll be there um, as well as a guest speaker and help teach as well I mean bottom line the fighter's safety is what we're doing it for Um, I know a promotion was like well why do you want to teach other people to take your job and it's like you know what it's it's bigger than that I mean our fighters are our first priority I would much rather teach people how to care for them correctly than to just be selfish and say, nope, it's my job. You can't, I'm not going to train you to do what I do. I mean, it's about the fighters. That fighter needs to be kept mm-hmm. safe. And if they're not, then you shouldn't be doing it. So that is where my heart comes with it is I would much rather train people to take care of people yeah. correctly than to just be negligent and not even know how to use epinephrine correctly or, you know, just no thanks. So let's plug your buddy school. Where is it and what's the name of it? So it's called um, Fight Business Academy. And it is based out of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. But um, if you can't ever make it to Las Vegas, that's just fine. He has online courses that he will teach you every step of the way. And, he, and it's also lifetime coaching. So anytime you have a question, you know, it's lifetime coaching. What's amazing is, for example, if you sign up and go to Vegas and do a show, usually he does them around um, or to do a class. Usually it's about a three-day course, two to three days. Um, but he focuses it around um the fight week so he'll take you and get you you know a free pass to the expo um and he'll even get you into work your um first show so it's an, an experience backstage so i mean 
what who would not want to do that if you want to become a co-woman man i would have paid thousands of dollars to be able to do that so um i think everyone should check it out fight business academy it's pretty pretty amazing and yeah it's it's great all right and let's plug a little bit of your stuff it's is it swayze valentine on on all your social media accounts twitter facebook and and instagram yep just swayze valentine on all those and you can find me and yeah anyone is welcome to hit me up i try to get back to everyone you know is is often as I can. And yeah, anyone has any questions? I mean, I'm an open book. So absolutely. All right. Anything else you want to you want to ask before we wrap this up? And no. we've taken up enough of her time. Yeah. I, I, oh, we no, apologize. We just pleasure. had a million questions that we were thinking for the last like week. Oh, I love and it. again, we just appreciate you so much for like coming in and doing this with a couple of unknown guys and yeah. Oh dri- driving gosh. up here for this my now. pleasure and i mean i think you guys are giving me the opportunity to share what i do with other people and it's and an amazing story like yeah. has anyone approached you about a book or anything um i have a, a few i've was even done a few little mini documentaries and and i was in contract with this one guy for a year or a year and a half to do um a documentary but um and it fell through, but I have people wanting to, that I've been talking to, have been thinking about even a movie or, wow. yes, and a book. So we'll see. But Crazy. I mean, that's that's just if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, yeah. that's okay. You know, if the more I can educate people and tell them to help them follow their dreams, no matter what it may be, yeah. that's what I'm here for. So well, well, that's the yeah. complete message I've gotten from you just in the time we've met. I mean, I oh, think that that's absolutely awesome. And the fact that you kind of walk around with a little chip on your shoulder feeling like you have to prove yourself every day is probably why you still get up and do what you do is you just think that hey this is what i gotta do this is what i want to do and it's going to get me to where i need to be eventually wherever that is yeah and i need to do whatever i need to do to do that i mean it's just you have the the best head on your shoulders for for this job and being like i said a pioneer of of and forging the path for people behind you so I just commend you for everything you've done and everything you've accomplished in your life. And Thank you. Yeah, it's an amazing story. And uh, so, yeah, more on uh, Swayze at all of her social media sites. And, of course, you can hear this full interview at kkrv.com. So That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank we appreciate you. it as we wrap this up. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. So uh, that was our first podcast. Yeah. Kind of crazy to think about that, like, this might actually be a real thing now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, perfect first guest, too. Amazing. She has such a good head on her shoulders. I mean, and you kind of touched on it before she left that just she's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder, but a good head on her shoulder as well. Like, it's just she's so nice is kind of what I get. And I and I mentioned it where she just seems like she's very loving and is wanting everyone to succeed. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's the impression I got. One of the more down to earth people people i think i've ever had a conversation with well especially for somebody that totally could have a giant ego oh yeah i mean for everything that she has accomplished in her life where she's at who she works for uh people that she interacts with company she works for yeah you know ufc that's the big dog yeah and well yeah most people don't even know mma like a lot of people just assume what mma is is ufc yep and so for her to work for that company, be the first woman to do it, uh, been doing it for so long. And, you know, like she said, she touched, she's seen celebrities and, you know, I'm sure interacts with them and talks with them. And if she has the time, because it does sound like she's crazy yeah. busy yeah. during those events. But I mean, yeah, she she could have a giant ego on her head. But for her to, on her own dime, I think we should really, like, 
she did she didn't offer or ask for gas money to come up here didn't ask for us to pay lunch or a, yep. a fee to come up here and do this she just did it out of yeah. the goodness and kindness out of her heart yeah well i think she just likes to get her story out there well it's an I amazing mean, that's, story that's, yeah it is i mean it's uh you know it's pretty incredible our first show yeah and the first cut woman in the ufc you know kind of a pioneering thing on both levels but yeah i mean just a very very casual conversation i mean it, it's man the i was crapping my pants before yeah. she got in here yep, me too man and I didn't know what to say. I, I didn't know how it was going to go. But she yeah. was very welcoming. Yep. And just she immediately put me at ease. I mean, we gave her a little tour. Uh, and I was still a little nervous. But the second we, we hit the record button, I was totally at ease and totally comfortable with her after just, you know, previously talking for five minutes maybe. Yeah. Just yep. very loving person. And, and I, I wish nothing but the best for her. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Well, I think she's going to do great. You know, um, obviously she's wanting to do this for as long as she can but who knows maybe something else will branch up down the road for her within the industry so yeah and you know maybe her own school maybe she'll travel around and and teach people how to cut hands or wrap hands so i mean just amazing guest Uh, i'm glad that we got our first one under our belt me too the the jitters and the nerves are a little out of the way now so uh well hopefully we can bring uh more guests on and just have interesting conversations i know we have a, a couple more lined up that might be pretty well and you know thanks for listening if you did listen to all all of this the the whole you know hour and a half or whatever it may be but uh yeah thanks and uh we will be posting more so uh it's uh time for us to sign off on this casual podcast thanks again swayze appreciate it yeah big big shout out to swayze